0: This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet, Episode 45. Welcome to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineering leaders thrive. Today, I speak with Ralph Specht on why companies need soul and how to breathe life into your organization using the soul system. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I, of course, am Pat Sweet. And once again, today, we've got a great episode for you. I'll be speaking with Ralph Specht on why companies should have soul. And I think we've probably all felt at times like some organizations have grown too big or are too profit-driven or not people-focused enough, and, and how crummy that feels to, to be in that kind of an environment. Well, Ralph shows it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, that having soul isn't just great for the people within a business, but great for the business itself. So very excited to get to that. But first, I wanted to thank everyone who came out to the webinars that I've hosted over the last couple of weeks. If you didn't get a chance to come out to any of them, do check out the show notes, engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 45, and I'll be putting links to the replays so that you can go back and check those out. And one thing that I wanted to touch on, I think I maybe mentioned it last week, but if I didn't, I wanted to ask just a small favor. I'm about to launch the next iteration of my productivity course for engineering managers, and it's going to be coming out later in February. But before I do that, before I launch, I have a couple of questions that I would love to ask you. So if you have a spare minute or two and you don't mind helping me out, you can go to there's there's just a short survey at engineeringandleadership.com slash productivity course help. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash productivity course help. And it's just a two-question survey. And if you could fill that out, that would help me an awful lot. Okay, on to the main content for today. I think we've all felt at one time or another that we're living inside a bit of a Dilbert cartoon as though the company we work for didn't care much about us or about the world around us so long as targets were hit. And if you've had that experience, you know it can make for a pretty terrible work environment. My guest today wants to make organizations like that a thing of the past. Ralph Specht is just about to release his new book, Building Corporate Soul, Powering Culture and Success with the Soul System. And In the book, he spells out how companies can regain their soul and makes a very strong case for why soul is not only good in and of itself and for a company's people, but good for corporate performance as well. Mr. Specht has been called a visionary business leader by Fast Company Press and was a founding partner of the startup Spark 44, a global marketing communications powerhouse. He consulted for more than 20 years with global companies and brands such as Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, General Motors, Nestle, Coca-Cola, Puma, and PwC with McCann Erickson. Here is my conversation with Ralph Specht. Mr. Ralph Specht, welcome to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today.
1: And it's my pleasure to be on your show.
0: I'm really excited about the the theme for today, and I think it's something a lot of us feel in, in inside ourselves, but maybe've never put these thoughts into words and that's the importance of soul within an organization and you're on a mission right now I'm going to get to the book that you're about to release, but ultimately, your mission is to make soulless companies a thing of the past and I think if if you could achieve this mission we'll all be thanking you but Maybe we, want to, maybe we want to start with what do you mean when you talk about soul in the context of, a, of an organization or a corporation?
1: Soul is an intangible, right? You can't really grab it with your hands. You can grab it with your emotions. You feel it or you don't. And very often companies where they have a great corporate soul, people know it because it's just there and it's just the, the sense of what we're doing here is the right thing and we're doing it in the right way. And the people that are around me, as, as my colleagues, we're all on the same mission, on the same bus, actually. And, and it's something very unique. So when, when I started to think about so in the corporate sense, it was a very special moment because I was a co-founder of a startup called Spark 44, which was a joint venture with Jaguar and Land Rover for their global marketing operations. And we started in 2011 and I stepped down as CEO in 2019, pretty much just before Christmas 2019. So when that happened, my former colleagues reached out to me, which Obviously, you would expect there's no surprise there, but there's a surprise because what they uh, said to me, what they wrote me uh, was something that was far beyond what uh, you would normally expect in a farewell message. And like sad to see you go, yeah, that's what you hope you get get at least. But when I looked at all these messages um, during those days... I felt there was something deeper there was something with much more meaning in those because all those messages expressed a sense of this is something special this has been something special we're a bit of concerned because I was the last founder who was leaving the company whether whether that corporate culture could remain because whatever we joined we clearly saw from the get-go that there was something different going on here compared to the other places where we had been, and those had been great organizations that people had been before. So I actually thought, what's the legacy that we leave behind with this company? And to me, it's not building a company from scratch and and within just a few years get to 1,200 people and 19 offices worldwide and 100 billion plus revenue. and all That's not the legacy, to me, at least. To me... The legacy is having been part of a group of people that have been capable of creating a a corporate culture in a highly competitive and a highly performance-driven environment that actually focused on the human beings, because obviously as a creative business, there is nothing else. You've got a few desks and a few computers, but what you really have is great minds and great people. And people that can manage a creative process across all channels and across all cultures because it was a global setup. When when I contemplated about all these messages, I thought actually I gotta there's something in here which is is worth more than just a message
0: on my iPhone. So it sounds like this came as a bit of a surprise to you that it was obvious to your people that the company that you had formed had this soul, had this essence. It but but it sounds like you, you didn't really Expect to hear that. Was this something you had consciously tried to create, or really didn't recognize it until after the fact?
1: No, I think we we all recognized what we had because we felt it in, in very many moments that were that, that we lived through together—great moments, difficult moments, all of that. But I think the surprise that that hit me when I received all these messages was the importance. It had for everyone, and the the ability to actually uh, put those experiences in words. And in some words, some in some instances, these words were very personal, as you can imagine. And the way people expressed what they had experienced, was something that they compared to other places where they had been, and the gist of the comments basically was we haven't seen that anywhere else I haven't seen that anywhere else and remember that moment when you did this and and all of these things and as a leader when you're doing these things at least that's true for me and for most of the other colleagues that I know you do these things the way you do them because you think that's the right way to do it Mm -hmm. the and this right way to do it Something that, for many people, interestingly in the industry, was a oh, finally this is a company that applies good corporate culture, good corporate citizenship throughout its behaviors, and that that was probably something many had not so good experiences before.
0: Of course, and, and I think we all go through careers where some organizations we've been a part of have been great, and, and others less so. And you mentioned this comparison that your your people were making, saying this was different. I've never felt like this before. I've never seen this before. What sorts of words and examples really sum that up? What does working in a soulful organization feel like?
1: I think the most important thing that working in a soulful organization feels like is that whatever you do and whatever you an experience in that organization matches what you're being told by your leaders where they are going. So walk the walk, right? There's too many examples, and that's what people often refer to. So we've heard these great words, and it all sounded perfect. But then the next day, when a little problem happened here or there, then we didn't see any of the great words from the day before Mm -hmm. coming Mm -hmm. into play. And that's basically what I've tried to uh, create with a soul system that you refer to in the subtitle of the book, because I believe the, your question is actually the million-dollar question: How do you recognize it if you don't have it? How do you build it? And as I just mentioned, it's about doing what you're saying you're going to be doing. And so the model, uh, the soul system framework, has got three levels, and the the, the the first level is is the purpose level, which I call the shared purpose. And the reason I call it a shared purpose is I've seen too many situations and I've heard from too many people and their experiences in organizations that on the question, does your company have a purpose? They, said they might say yes, but if you then say, can you tell me what it is? They go, yeah, let me come back to you. One big issue with purpose is that it often is not shared and it's not shared on two levels. The first level is the leadership team shared with them, just from my perspective, means they have to buy into it. If they don't support it, it ain't going to work. But shared has a second meaning, I think, in this context. And it means share it with everyone in the company so that everybody is aware of it. And as we all know, you have to say it once, you have to say it twice, you have to say it three times and don't get frustrated if you have to say it a fourth time because people really have to get it and people understand things easier when they experience it. So if you actually live your purpose or your company's purpose, then it's easier for people to get it because they see it in action. So the shared purpose is the center of the game. And I'm really very focused on that word shared because without shared, the purpose is just nice words on a PowerPoint and that's just not good enough for the game. And, the, and to me, purpose... Very often, the purpose discussion is that we going to have a purpose of all of that. But purpose, to me, is only a means to an end. It's something that you need to create a better corporate culture.
0: Let, let me ask you a question here. I, I'm going to go out on a limb, I think, and guess that a purpose that reads something like we will be number one in our industry and we will ensure our shareholders are happy it, it, it doesn't cut it in terms of a powerful shared purpose. I I guess I would ask two questions. A, would you agree? And B, how do you get past the MBA mumbo jumbo?
1: (laughs) Yeah, first of all, I do agree. That's not a surprise, really. In the book, I'm citing uh, a number of purposes from various companies. And my favorite example of a company that got it right in terms of expressing their purpose and everything else that comes afterwards, plus the behaviors, is LinkedIn. And LinkedIn's purpose is not flashy at all. Okay, It's very straightforward. And it's got nothing of this, we'll be number one and we'll increase market share by 20%. LinkedIn's purpose is to facilitate professional networking, period. So if you read these four words, you know what they are about. You might not know if you're not internet literate. How the application uh, will work, but you understand why they are why they do exist and what they are in business for. and but, as I mentioned, the purpose is only the first step. So then you get the second step, mm. which I call the shared understanding, and it's the understanding of the corporate strategy. And there again, LinkedIn is terrific uh, because so we learned the purpose is to facilitate professional networking. the vision that LinkedIn put down, years ago, is to create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce.
0: See, I, okay. I was going to comment on the purpose. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say that it's not super inspiring. It's crystal clear, but the vision is incredibly inspiring. That's, that makes you feel like you're making a dent in the universe.
1: Absolutely. And then you get the mission, which builds on it, which basically says to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful. So you have the vision and the mission, and if you don't get it, then you might look for something else. Because as you said, they're both very crystal clear, and they don't leave any opportunity for doubt, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we're here for. This is where we're going, and this is how we get there. Right. And then you get through the third element of the shared understanding, which is the values of the company. And here again, I think the LinkedIn example is terrific. They got seven values. And those seven values are a combination of inward focus and outward focus. Okay. So as you've read from or learned from the vision and the mission to create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce and to connect the world's professionals to make them more productive and successful, it's no surprise that the values start with members first. There you go. Relationships matter is number two. No surprise as well. And then it gets into what do you have to do? So be open, be honest, and constructive. And then it gets very internal. Demand excellence. So there's a performance element uh, to it. It's not just make sure that people can connect, it's like demand excellence everywhere. Take intelligent risks. And act like an owner. So these values, they're a good example, I think, for a set of values, because when you read them, or when I now talk them through, in your head, you already get a sense of how that company is supposed to be acting. And when you then get to the third level of the, of the soul system, the shared behaviors, that's when you see actually whether these things come to life or not. Hmm. So again, the shared purpose is important. The shared understanding is important. But without the shared behaviors, it's all just nice words. And I think that is critical. And LinkedIn is a perfect example. And it speaks to Microsoft, who acquired LinkedIn a few years back, that they actually allowed LinkedIn to keep its company culture. They saw the strength in the culture. They didn't. Microsoft. LinkedIn, right? right. Uh, they kept LinkedIn, and that I think is in, in mergers and acquisitions. You, you very often see that not happening, but that's a good example.
0: So they saw this cohesive whole that worked, was internally consistent, and there was a good thing going, and they allowed that to 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 flourish, and and that's great, and that's great. And I should note this episode is not sponsored by LinkedIn, but it is a great example. There are a lot of really good good companies that that you cite. In what you've called the soul index, which I, I'm I'm very excited to talk about in, in a minute, but I want to go back to I want to go back to the soul system. And one of the things that really stands out to me is the word shared. We talk about shared purpose, shared understanding, shared behaviors, and I'm wondering if you could expand a little bit on on that and the importance of all of this being shared and what you mean by that, because it, it strikes me as being core to everything, foundational. In your system:
1: Yes, the word shared, I think, is so important in this because many people will think this is very familiar to them. but when you read like Glassdoor comments on companies and you look at to your earlier question about companies that don't have so, one, one comment that you very often read is, "I'm not so happy about the company culture, but our team is great." A group of people, a certain team, seems to have gotten it right for themselves. But when they look at the entire company, it seems like they are either an outlier or they think we're special or what have you. And that's that's not good. It's nice for them that they think they have a good uh, team team culture and team structure and, 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 and camaraderie and what have you. But actually, if you look at it from a company uh, perspective, it feels like a pocket of excellence Here, where everything else is just not what you want to have. And as a leader, when you recognize that, hopefully you do recognize it, when you recognize that, you've got two choices, right? You can either say, okay, we've got this great pocket here of a team that actually is the role model for how we want to uh, behave as an entire company. Or you can say, guys, this is not what we're about. Mm -hmm. So let's have that conversation. Let's be clear about what we are about. And so either way, you're getting back to the notion of shared in making sure the whole company understands what it's about, where it's going. I also looked into in the shared understanding. I added one more term beyond vision, mission, values. I added spirit, which to me is the intended corporate culture. If the values are clear, like on LinkedIn spaces, I'm not sure you need that much of spirit uh, description. Very often the values are very theoretical hmm. and you can't connect them to, to, to the mission or the vision. And therefore it's it, it feels three things floating around in the air but have no connection. And then you need something that, first of all, you've got to make sure they connect. But if you haven't done that, at least make sure you define what you want the corporate culture to be like. And then basically start on the behaviors. And when I looked at the behaviors, they get into everything a company does. And it becomes very often um, obvious in a number of places. Again, you look into Glassdoor and and you see what uh, is on people's minds. So you you see and you can read when people say, actually in our place, no equal pay. For instance, a good example, but that's a big one. You also can see when people say, if you want to climb your career ladder in, internally, forget it, they only hire uh, uh, the next level from the outside. Right. Another one. So uh, promotions are a critical element. How you pay people is a critical element. Performance reviews are a critical element. And so com- the whole compensation element is, is super critical. And so you have got a lot of things that actually are happening outside in the behaviors that very often many leaders think, ah, that's just, it's just happening. No, it's not happening. It's a conscious thing. So you got to take care of your compensation, of your recruiting, of your development, but also sometimes it's how you behave with partners outside the organization. So. Which partnerships do you agree to? Who do you want your clients to be? Is there something? There's been a a fascinating thing happening at Edelman, the PR consultancy, where in the context of the um, Glasgow COP26 conference, the members of the team at Edelman basically said, how can we, if we believe in these climate changing predictions, how can we afford to work for clients that are actually spending a lot of time on fossil fuels. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and that became an obvious conversation. And now there's a, an open debate going on and Edelman leadership is taking it by its horns, which is the way you should do it. Because if you, if you want to put those discussions somewhere in the closet, it ain't going to work, right? Partnerships is a, is, a, is a critical element. How do you deal with your customers? How can you create a followership, which obviously purpose can have a real meaning here as well. And yeah, it's all connected. And leaders get to look into all of these ex- uh, aspects.
0: So I think it's um, it goes without saying almost that a, a company that, that has a shared purpose, shared understanding, shared behaviors, that'll be a good place to be a, as an employee, as someone who represents that organization. But one of the more interesting things, I, I think, that you argue is that having soul is not just good for morale and engagement it's it's good for business and we mentioned the soul index earlier which i think is a really cool way to to demonstrate this that companies with soul outperform their peers so i'd love it if you could explain just at a high level what what the soul index is and what it shows
1: yes absolutely so when i finished writing the book, you can imagine, I've talked to a lot of people, lots of interviews, lots of reading, lots of research, lots of studies, lots of surveys. I thought it's been very interesting because the companies that have come up in my my memory were all high performance companies. So there wasn't the company that you had never heard before, there were a few of those as well. There's great pockets of corporate culture in, in many companies. But there were a lot of companies that I came across again and again. And so I thought, I got all these studies now, so why not actually blend the studies and see what comes up? And so I took the, the surveys that I, I had in my hands, and basically, with the help of my son, who was an excellent genius, we created this scorecard, or this this performance ranking of, the, of those companies. And we weighted with 75% most strongly, what employees said about the company, because when a leader comes to me and said, we've got a great corporate soul. I'm like, thank you. I, I hope you have, but uh, let, let me, uh, let me ask your workforce because they will tell you whether you have it or not, Yeah, of course. Uh, if you think you have it, <laughs> that's, at least you thought about it, so it's good, but that isn't a guarantee. So three quarters of data f- about employee satisfaction, employee engagement and CEO approval from the employees. Okay. And it's interesting. Again, LinkedIn is a great example. I think it's the only company on Glassdoor CEO approval where a CEO ever got 100%. Yeah. So that happened once in, I think, 2014 or so at Jeff Wiener. And so that's great. And, and the other 25% are business performance data. So I didn't want to get into an airy-fairy feel-good kind of element, but I wanted to make sure that the employees have the final say, hmm. if you like. And with that, an impressive ranking came about the top 20 companies, many well-known brands. Interestingly, 60% of the top 20 are tech brands, Hmm. tech companies. So you got Adobe, Salesforce, Microsoft at the top of the pyramid. And I don't think it's a surprise because these companies are all founded in the late 70s, 80s, 90s. They have, from the get-go, looked at corporate culture, very differently. And it didn't surprise me a lot that they were coming out that strong. Microsoft is an interesting case, right? Because um, Satya Nadella turned the company around completely, both from a product portfolio uh, standpoint, but most importantly, from a culture mm. uh, uh, standpoint. And when you listen to him, it feels like that he's one of the strongest believers in, in the power of corporate culture. And I think what he did and what Microsoft's team members did with him because you never do it alone is very impressive is really very impressive at the top of the list there's adobe and, and that's a company that's in terms of corporate culture very often very quiet right you don't it's not like in the common vernacular that everybody knows i oh, with adobe they're doing this and that and the other but they've got a, a ceo the shantanu narayan who who's been on in his ceo post since 2007 so 14 years
0: it was quite a long tenure in a tech company. That's that's
1: impressive. Well that's again one of these things where you think common sense is is they're all leaving very quickly because I got to the same thought. I was like, let's see. So I checked on the on the top 20 companies and the uh, about the CEO tenure, and the average tenure that you have for CEOs is something like six years, six and a half years or something mm. is, 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 is an average, right? The top 10 companies basically have, have an average of 8.4 years. And when you look at and, and that 8.4 8. is a bit skewed, I would say, because Mr. Bezos just stepped down. So this new, the new guy is just one year. So right. if he would have, wouldn't have stepped down that year, it would probably be even more. you get got people there. The most extreme is Larry Ellison from Oracle. Sure, 37 years, but you got Scott Share from Ultimate Software, and that was 30 years. And you got John Chambers at Cisco, 20 years. Steve Barmer was 14 years. But there is some longevity here.
0: So I, w- I wanted to, to go back to Adobe, because you're, you're right. I'm an engineer. My friends are engineers. And Adobe is n- not, for the most part, one of the companies that people get excited about the same way you might get excited about a Google or an Apple or an Amazon. I was interested to to get your, your take on that because Adobe clearly has been around for a very long time. It's a ubiquitous company. They produce some tools that, that most of us use every day. So w- why is that, that they're able to end up at the top of the list, but maybe aren't quite as f- flashy in, in terms of a, a, quote unquote, exciting companies in the tech space?
1: I think They do something very well, which when it happens, people like it, uh, but they don't talk about it that much. When it doesn't happen, it's in the news, Ah, right? So Adobe is a company with a high level of integrity, one of the highest levels of integrity of any company. And they take great pride in their commitment to sincerity and honesty. So these things are very critical to their culture. They got a strict code of ethics um, for all of their leadership and they take this stuff very serious, but what they've also done and remember is Adobe is a global company, right? So they're, they're everywhere. So as a large multinational company with, a, with an Indian American business executive executive uh, leading it, there's already a sense of cultural awareness among diff- different places. But I think What they do extremely well is a very high and reliable level of care for the people who work for them. There's the holiday pay, there's medical insurance, there are the retirement plans and educational reimbursement, and and they got all the stuff that you would expect. They got also one little thing, which I thought was a a great idea, because obviously in the tech space, like in in any other company, but, but in that space even more, innovation is critical, right? And they've got a program where every member of staff who requests it gets, uh, can get a red cardboard box filled with stationary snacks and a thousand dollar prepaid credit card to explore there. So if you want to do something and, and, and create something new, you can ask for that box. You get it. Nobody asks a question, you get it. But as, as I understood, I think there's more than a thousand people who've already used it and 23 ideas of those thousand employees. Uh, have actually uh, granted further investment. So they're actually happening. And it's a perfect idea, I think, for giving people an opportunity to explore something that they're excited about and make sure their innovation skills are actually leveraged inside the company. And if you think about it, if they have a thousand prepaid credit cards and have a thousand people who use it, that's been a million dollars. In the grand scheme of things, over a few years, as nothing for a company like uh, Adobe. But if any of the 23 ideas that they granted further investment actually proves to be ultra successful.
0: All you need is one. And in the meantime, you've invested in reaffirming your culture, right? It, without knowing their values, their mission right off the top of my head, I, I would imagine that Adobe values innovation and smart risk taking and this kind of thing and this is a way that that it's very concrete it's showing its own people we we really do care about this
1: yes and and the so it's great for the thousand people and even greater for the 23 but i believe it's also great for everybody else inside the company because you see it and you hear it and you might have a colleague who's just coming around with a red box so it's but this red box as simple as it sounds is Something I, I believe is critical. So you have to give it a, some gestalt to, so that people can recognize it. Right? This is not just another email, which says, "Well, here you, we have wired you a thousand thousand dollars." It's actually something you hand over. And when you look into the the Adobe, compare it to to their peers in the tech world, and we already talked a bit about Microsoft. The, when you look at the uh, CEO score, CEO, CEO acceptance, Shantanu at, at, at Adobe is at 94. Even Satya Nadella with Microsoft is only at 83. Hmm. Right? And the Tim Cook uh, at Apple is at 80. Nadella and Cook are in the news all the time, whereas Adobe and, and, and Shantanu Naraya and hardly ever notice unless there's a big business decision that, that needs to be um, uh, communicated and you look, for instance, at Amazon, and with the change from Jeff Bezos to Andy Jassy, he's at seventy-four at the same study. So, not bad for early in the in, the, in his, his CEO career. but You see how the different how the difference already comes across here.
0: So, you mentioned Amazon, and and this is a, a company that that really stood out to me as one of the uh, top ten on your soul Index. I think they're number eight, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it was a curious case to me. I wanted to ask you about it because Amazon, I don't think anyone can deny the business performance of the organization. They are ubiquitous. They're an enormous company. They employ a million people worldwide. Amazon's a big deal. This should come as a surprise to no one. What was surprising to me was that, that they qualified as an example of a company with corporate soul, despite quite a bit of bad press in recent years. And I don't think you'd have to dig through the the New York Times archives very far before you found something about some sort of tension between Amazon and its workers. And I just wanted to explore this a little bit with you, because what we see from outside the organization, as reported through the press, is obviously not the, the full story, but it's clear to me that there's something more going on within the organization that is good, that is good. Performance doesn't come out of nowhere. <laughs> so how do you reconcile what we hear in the news with the performance and the fact that there, there is something right going on within the walls of Amazon?
1: Amazon, first and foremost, is a very customer-centric uh, organization and a very strong data-centric organization. And I think the one thing that both them and I would probably agree on is data don't lie, the numbers don't lie. And when I just mentioned the CEO approval scores from like the 74 for Andy Jassy compared to the what was a 94 for Shantanu Mar- uh, Narayan and Tim Cook with 80 and 100, the same studies in terms of the culture score for. Adobe give a 4.9 out of five, so pretty much as good as as it gets. And for Microsoft, a 4.6, and Amazon's got a 4.5, and Apple's got a 4.3. And in in our in our minds, build on public perceptions and, and 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 news. Probably everybody would say Apple and Microsoft is much stronger. And those culture scores as the sole index scores, are based on employee feedback. It might either be that those employees that every now and then create the news about there are issues, not part of these surveys, I don't know, but there seems to be a a strong, high number of people inside the organization that actually feel that the company, A, does what it says it it, it wants to do, and that it B is good for them. I haven't worked with Amazon. I haven't worked for Amazon. So I, I've got no uh, personal experience there. But when you simply look at the data are not from Amazon. They are basically from independent sources. They're getting a lot of things, a lot of things right. And it's, it's interesting how public perception and the corporate reality sometimes are not the same.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Ralph, th- this has been uh, a wonderful chat. I've really enjoyed this. And, and you've given some really thought-provoking examples and stories. And, and I really like the the soul system and how you've encapsulated all this. This is all described in an upcoming book. When's the release date?
1: It's a wonderful date. It's Two twenty-two twenty-two. Oh, beautiful! Easy to remember. Twenty-second of February. Right, <laughs> five two. But else, can you wish wishful.
0: <laughs> so it's called uh, "Building Corporate Soul: Power and Culture and Success with the Soul System." Uh, obviously, you'll be covering everything we've talked about here today. But who who should be looking to to pick up a copy of this book? Who who's this intended for?
1: Well, it's a reach for book for every leader or everybody who is becoming a leader. And one of the guys that I had the luck to be able to have a a conversation with actually gave me the the headline quote for the book. And I think that headline quote summarizes very well for whom this book is. It's Adrian Hallmark, the chairman and CEO of Bentley Motors. And he said, Building Corporate Soul shows how 21st century leaders can transform their companies into inspired communities. And I think that captures it it very well, what a company with soul is all about. It's an inspired community. It's a company with a strong culture. And as we all know, uh, strong cultures lead to more motivation. Strong cultures are a critical resource for leaders and happier employees usually go the extra mile more often than not. They deliver better products, better services, happier customers. And if all of that comes together for the company, it means better margins. So it's a win-win for everyone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a very compelling case for everyone involved. You can pre-order the book if I understand things correctly now. So I'll be putting a link to that in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Again, Mr. Specht, thank you very much for joining me today. This was an absolute delight.
1: Pat, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you once again Ralph just brilliant ideas really interesting conversation I really appreciated Ralph's perspective and the the history and experience that he brings to this whole idea of corporate culture very very cool stuff very much looking forward to picking up my own copy of the book which again that there's going to be a link to that in the show notes so do check that out a few things that I wanted to double back on that really stood out to me during that conversation and Right off the top is the word shared, and this is something that came up quite a bit during our conversation, this shared understanding of what the company or the organization is about, its mission, its vision, its goals, and I really want to emphasize that for leaders who may be listening to this today. You may have brilliant ideas, and you may have a very clear vision for your team or your organization But as long as those ideas and and plans stay inside your head, they're not doing the rest of the world much good. It's super, super important to share it actively, but then also for the team to really embrace and adopt those ideas as well. So, So to really share in that vision. So I was really glad to hear Ralph put things in the terms that he did. I think it made a lot of sense. The next thing I wanted to highlight is just how well tech companies performed in his sole index system, which I I think is a really, really cool way to illustrate his ideas. And I think that's fascinating. I think that's good news for engineers and people who work in white-collar innovation-driven industries. I think it's really exciting to know that, that we exist in a world where Those companies that are pushing the envelope with respect to the products and services they produce and deliver are also pushing the envelope when it comes to culture. And I think if any companies are doing well that are culturally very strong, that that will be incentive for other companies to follow suit. So that's very exciting news to me. The final thing I wanted to touch on is this idea that in order to understand an organization's values, all you have to do is follow the money. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And Ralph highlighted this, that if you look at who gets promoted and why, if you look at what gets invested in and why, you start to understand what a company values. Whether or not they articulate that value in a chart somewhere is kind of besides the point. What's more interesting to me is you don't really need to. have a brainstorming session with the executives to understand an organization's values. You can already see what an organization values through following the money. Now, whether or not an organization values the right things through their money is another question, and this may be something that you want to look at in your own organization is what do we reward? What do we invest in? What do we pat people on the back for? And then ask yourself, are these the right things to be rewarding? And that could drive a conversation internally about, you know, what values do you want to really emphasize and reward? So again, Ralph, thank you so much for your wisdom and your time, your experience. I, I do encourage everyone to go check out the show notes for links to the book and to Ralph's website and to leave your comments. You can always scroll to the bottom of the show notes and leave your comments. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. So, so please do uh, take a moment to do that as well. Next up, we've got the engineering and leadership mailbag. Thank you once again, Ralph. Just brilliant ideas, really interesting conversation. I really appreciated Ralph's perspective and the the history and experience that he brings to this whole idea of corporate culture. Very, very cool stuff. Very much looking forward to picking up my own copy of the book, which again, there's going to be a link to that in the show notes. So do check that out. A few things that I wanted to double back on that really stood out to me during that conversation, and right off the top is the word shared. And this is something that came up quite a bit during our conversation, this shared understanding of what the company or the organization is about, its mission, its vision, its goals. And I really want to emphasize that for leaders who may be listening to this today, You may have brilliant ideas and you may have a very clear vision for your team or your organization, but as long as those ideas and and plans stay inside your head, they're not doing the rest of the world much good. It's super, super important to share it actively, but then also for the team to really embrace and adopt those ideas as well. So, So to really share in that vision. So I was really glad to hear Ralph put things in the terms that he did. I think it made a lot of sense. The next thing I wanted to highlight is just how well tech companies performed in his sole index system, which I I think is a really, really cool way to illustrate his ideas. And I think that's fascinating. I think that's good news for engineers and people who work in white-collar, innovation-driven industries. I think it's really exciting to know that that we exist in a world where those companies that are pushing the envelope with respect to the products and services they produce and deliver are also pushing the envelope when it comes to culture. And I think if any companies are doing well that are culturally very strong, that that will be incentive for other companies to follow suit. So that's very exciting news to me. The final thing I wanted to touch on is this idea that in order to understand an organization's values, all you have to do is follow the money. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And Ralph highlighted this, that if you look at who gets promoted and why, if you look at what gets invested in and why, you start to understand what a company values. Whether or not they articulate that value in a chart somewhere is kind of besides the point. What's more interesting to me is you don't really need to have a brainstorming session with the executives to understand an organization's values. You can already see what an organization values through following the money. Now, whether or not an organization values the right things through their money is another question. And this may be something that you want to look at in your own organization is what do we reward? What do we invest in? What do we pat people on the back for? And then ask yourself, are these the right things to be rewarding? And that could drive a conversation internally about, you know, what values do you want to really emphasize and reward? So again, Ralph, thank you so much for your wisdom and your time, your experience. I, I do encourage everyone to go check out the show notes for links to the book and to Ralph's website and to leave your comments. You can always scroll to the bottom of the show notes and leave your comments. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. So, so please do uh, take a moment to do that as well. Next up, we've got the engineering and leadership mailbag. Well, my friends, you know how this works. This is the part of the show where I read your messages and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me. And I promise to read my favorites right here on the podcast. Dr. Timothy Ferris on LinkedIn offered a great suggestion in response to a post I made about the importance of actually taking meeting minutes. Uh, I know it's it's a super boring topic, but really, really important. And the idea that I'd put forward was about bringing someone else along to take minutes. If you're chairing a meeting, it's a good opportunity to bring even a co-op student or someone who's new to the, the team or the organization to be exposed to content and meetings and people that they might not otherwise get a chance to be exposed to. And that frees you up to chair the meeting as the other person records minutes. And anyway, Dr. Ferris offered another way to approach this to achieve that same end. And what he said is, a method I've seen used and used well is to place the agenda items on separate PowerPoint slides and during the meeting display those slides and meeting members can see the growing minutes because you you can actually record your notes against the minutes on the slides in vivo, which is great because then minutes can be distributed within minutes of the meeting's end. That's a mouthful, but it's true. Minutes can be agreed to at the end of the meeting and not have to start the the subsequent meeting by reviewing the previous meeting's minutes, at which point things are kind of cold and foggy. And the result is that minutes are clearer, they're distributed faster, they're distributed to the right people. And this can help a lot in terms of advancing uh, a project which you want to advance quickly. So Dr. Ferris, I I really do appreciate that. I like that idea. I like that idea of sharing the record keeping with the team. And of course, most meetings have those slides anyway. So to use those as a, a tool to capture the results of the meeting and not just to present information to the participants, I think is is really cool. So I appreciate that. Thanks again to everyone who reached out. If you would like to chat with me or leave a comment, please do find me on LinkedIn or leave a comment in the episode show notes. That is all the time we have for the show today. I will be back next week with a brand new episode, which will feature Dolores Hirschman on why the very best leaders have crystal clear messages. Don't forget, I could really use your help with this upcoming productivity course for engineering managers. Just go to engineeringandleadership.com slash productivity course help. And I'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the show, please do hit subscribe and please leave an honest review to let me know what you thought was most interesting from today's episode. For more information and links to the resources mentioned today, again, just go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 45. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. To learn more about the Engineering Leadership Project, including other podcasts, articles, free resources, courses, consulting, and much, much more, just go to engineeringandleadership.com. That's engineeringandleadership.com.